Hello everyone and welcome to Fascinating Nouns. This is your stopping point for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now here at this curious nexus point, we explore this strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, and all the things in between. I'm your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Bacteria. Those microscopic invaders that infect all that they touch. They make hands dirty, eyes ooze, and food spoil. Or do they? Now this is the traditional view of bacteria. And as a culture, we become so afraid of these unseen entities that we have sanitizer in every purse and antibacterial soap in every sink in the house. Well, I hope tonight's interview changes that for you. Tonight is a crusade for bacterial American rights. We set the record straight with Nancy Lee Bentley, who's an expert in utilizing bacteria to create nutritious and delicious foodstuffs, also called cultured foods. She's been described as the wholesale... Wait, holistic <laughs> health expert right out of the box. I've, I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> but, not, but not wholesale? <laughs> We're gonna well, keep this I've called, been called corny, fruity, and nutty. But never wholesale. I'll have to remember that one. It's <laughs> a good one. You're welcome. Free of charge. It's okay. Any, oh. Yeah, I don't want any residuals from that joke. Uh, so you, <laughs> you are a culture... Now, you wrote a book called Truly Cultured. Correct. And this is not an etiquette book. No, is, no. In fact, it has nothing to do with that. And it produces things that you have to have extreme etiquette to avoid. This is a book about culturing, fermenting, and using microbes basically to work for you instead of against you. Yeah, is that's that a pretty good. Way yeah, to wrap well, up the, yeah, like, okay. Up the book well, that was good. Now that yeah. was a good interview. Yeah, so thank you. Explain. Thank you for being here for listening to my summary. If you're <laughs> thank you very much. It was yes. nice to. So how did you? So that's that's basically a basic idea. How did you um, get into this thing? Into into fermenting this topic. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, well, actually, I mean, I I grew up on a dairy farm in upstate New York, and so as I share in the preface of this, there's there's always something proofing and souring and bubbling and gurgling around yes. the farm, right? So I mean, I've been around um, this. I've been around the you know, the microorganisms and the results of their activity. And uh, particularly uh, my grandpa, who was uh, this illustrious old farmer uh, in upstate New York, who he was really health conscious. He, he always, uh, we always shared an apple a day. He said, if you, you know, do an apple a day, then it keeps the doctor away, right? Mm. Uh, well, yeah, except that I, I didn't realize that um, <laughs> one one afternoon between haying and milking, yeah. um, I'm like playing hide and seek in the side of the barn and I'm like counting and all of a sudden I hear giggling in the potato cellar around the corner down the into potato the potato cellar. Yeah, where you keep the, you know, the seed crops and the apples and different things and so... I'm like, I hear giggling coming from there. I'm like, giggling? Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's grandpa and dad. You know, I never wow. heard grown men giggling before. <laughs> so, Not farmers. So, yeah, so then after they went to go get the do the milking, I got the kids together. I'm like, come on, let's go down in there and see what it was. We f I found out what my grandfather's favorite apple a day was. was <laughs> a hard, uh, yeah, nice. Glass of hard apple cider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Grandpa's cough medicine. Yeah, yeah. right. Wow. Was, yeah, I know. Anyway, so it's sort of like <laughs> even though uh, I found out why they were giggling. Grandpa's really a distiller. is a moonshiner. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the, the. You know what? Everybody had these um, these potato cellars and and basements where they, you know, everybody in the older generation older than me even, yeah. had these, you know, had their preserved foods, their crock of sauerkraut, their right. apple cider vinegar, their apple, hard apple cider on yeah. its way to being vinegar. Right. <laughs> oh, is that the next stage? Yeah. Well, uh, vinegar is the end product of fermentation. And oh. fermentation is this process that we're talking about. Okay. Okay, of things becoming, well, you know, when you put apple... When you put apple juice on a counter and you just leave it, it becomes bubbly and yeah. peppy, and then it, eventually it forms alcohol and goes to vinegar. But don't you have to that's, have... The, that's the fermentation process. 
But you need to have the yeast or some kind of mm, microbe no, in there. Uh, well, it depends. Uh, as they say, fermentation is the process. Culturing is our use of that process to produce foodstuffs and, you know, breads and all this kind of thing. Anyway, oh, okay. but uh, so you actually, the kind of fermenting, there's different kinds. And I mean, you know, I wasn't planning to get into a chemical and big scientific discussion here. Well, that's sorry for you. We're going to yeah. get into a chemical <laughs> right, and scientific right. discussion. Well, we can go that way, but however <laughs> you won't, will your listeners, no. Um, I, I love science. No, I, do too, I do There's, okay, fermentation happens and there are different types. The kind we're talking about, and everybody's favorite foods are these cultured foods, they don't realize it. Mm -hmm. They've gone through this process, and that would be cheese and wine and beer and chocolate and mm -hmm. coffee and you know salamis and, and pickles and all these things. Salami? However, uh, there are certain types that will produce the good bacteria and certain types that will produce alcohol. And usually beer and wine and those kinds of uh, foods uh, and beverages that have alcohol have gone through a secondary process of fermentation to produce the alcohol. Called alcohol fermentation. Yeah. That's where you specifically... Exactly. And usually, alcohol. you know, they'll um, sprout and uh, let the, hmm. the, the seeds and the sprouts ferment and go through their process. And then they usually add more sugars hmm. to have it go and produce the alcohol. Okay. But the kind that we're talking about in this uh, truly cultured book is really about what's called lacto-fermented foods. Natu I, I name them naturally fermented foods. Uh, these are the healthy or early stage fermented foods that produce the good, good bacteria. Early stage. Well, because in the book, there's because you, you mentioned you know pickling, which is a th right. Is a, right. So what are the different types of because like I don't consider pickling fermentation. I, I did. Well, actually, now. it's pickling is this term for processing where you're adding vinegar okay. to the the end product of the fermenting process. You're adding that vinegar and short circuiting it, and you know the food companies have done that because um, it's standardized. It pickles the vegetables or the food, but it doesn't produce the good bacteria that what you would have from a, being in a barrel, you know, mm. like the bubbly uh, live fermented foods is an evidence of them having the good bacteria that we need, the good probiotic bacteria. Okay. And so, because if you, I mean, they actually, there are some uh, sauerkrauts and things like that that are being marketed live cultured foods, but they have to put a tape over the top otherwise because it could explode. I mean, there's we're, we're talking about gases being given off yeah. in the process, respiration, uh, carbon yeah. dioxide, and so forth. But um, the difference between pickling and live cultured foods is that the pickling doesn't have the good, friendly probiotic bacteria, where mm. the the kind that you would do in a sauerkraut crock or pickled crock, uh, naturally they're fizzy and bubbly and everything. Those are have the good, good friendly bacteria, which is why people have kept healthy for hundreds of years. That's wow. what they use to keep healthy. Well, well, pickling is more of a preservation solution, both, correct? Both I mean, people are. aren't drinking pickle juice. Yeah. Do they? I mean. No, but uh, you know, uh, but the <clears throat> pickling. Is, has been a more recent process. Both fermentation was the original food processing technique. I mean, even before fire, really, because it happens naturally. Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Okay. So then the, the first local foods, the first, they in a way, it's how we were able to become more mobile as a population because, okay, you know, Raw milk doesn't, or milk doesn't last very long. Right. Right. But when what when they found uh, that it will curdle, and then you know if you put it in skins, it, it actually makes like a yogurt or a cheese. It actually preserves it and stabilizes it for mm. longer. But how? But how come when you have like a gallon of milk in your refrigerator, and it goes bad? Well, what kind of milk though? Um, uh, because there's a big difference okay. in well, milk. When you've, um, you're talking about perhaps maybe processed, pasteurized, pasteurized homogenized milk. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole different animal than, um, than milk that comes 
straight out of a cow or yeah. raw milk. Well, so so like when milk goes bad, let's say because pro- most people are going to be drinking a processed milk, now, pasteurized, yeah. homogenized, yes. Yeah. So wh- why is it when when you take when it goes bad after two three weeks, it smells like feet, and if you drink it, you'll throw up? Because it has not, okay, regular milk and milk that is not been processed at all. If you left that on in the counter, it would clabber. That's Kurds and Way. Okay. It would separate. Clabber. It would clabber. That's the term. Huh. Like it will clump up. It becomes more acid, and you get like the separation. Cheese. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's what cottage cheese is. Is right. Kurds and Way, Little Miss Moses. Right. Blah, blah, sure. Blah. The spider and the whole thing. Because yeah. the bacteria that are inherent in the air, part of answering your question, uh-huh. uh, sort of get in there, and they're in the food anyway, and they produce um, an acidic environment, and so it it coagulates the milk or it clobbers it, clabbers it, <laughs> Where, yes. clobbers it, whereas the milk that you, that most people are eating now and drinking now has been heat treated, chemicalized and homogenized and it fractionalizes, it actually pulls the fat off the protein, it, it really uh, undermines the integrity of it. Hmm. So what happens when you put commercial processed, pasteurized, homogenized milk out on the counter and let it just sit there, mm-hmm. it putrefies. Okay. It actually goes through a rotting process as opposed to a fermenting process. So let's talk about the difference there to the average Joe, like me. Okay. Uh, what's well, the difference between... Fermenting is this natural process where sugars and starches turn into um, carbon dioxide and um, and the good bacteria and some other water and other things. Uh, whereas the this rotting process is really a, um, it's like a breakdown of the proteins that mm. have been, when, when you homogenize milk, they put it into a centrifuge mm. and uh, the cream it's is, denser, mm. is denser oh. and it, it spins off at a different rate. So yeah. that's how they have uh, traditionally gotten cream, and as a, of course you could just let it rise sit, to the top. and it will rise to the top if it's not um, homogenized. Homogenized milk has been shaken to at such a rate that it breaks down the fats and disperses the fats into tiny, tiny fragments, so they don't rise to the top. But okay. then that also causes other problems. Uh, you know, like wow. uh, actually starts attacking the lining of your cardiovascular system. I mean, because it exposes other compounds that normally wouldn't be, but mm. when they're broken down like that. So that's a good example of how when we've we've messed with <laughs> we've right. we've messed with food, we we manipulate it, whatever. Right. You, and in the book I say, you can't do one single thing because anytime you do something, you're creating another impact. So okay. you do one thing, you're gonna create another uh, another result, which is a good example with the, the milk there. Well, some people would even say that we shouldn't be drinking dairy milk, like from cows, well, period. Well, that's true, that's true. A lot of people say that some cultures, say, uh, or some dietary, you know, <clears throat> philosophies would say that um, and I think we probably shouldn't be drinking commercial milk because <laughs> mm, yeah. it really is like look at like you say if you just leave it out on the counter there it's yeah. it putrefies it, it becomes nasty right yeah because no one's drinking that yeah no whereas if you say like I was raised on a farm and we had a Latvian guy who worked for my father who was brought over after the war and he couldn't handle all the rich Western food, he would put a gallon of milk, fresh milk from the cows, right on the counter, and it would become basically curds and whey. But it, he knew it had the good bacteria. It would produce those good bacteria that would help soothe his stomach and make his digestion uh, healthier. And that's what people have done for centuries. That's how, that's why people have uh, developed and trial and error found that if they fermented or let these foods fermented or cultured them, that they actually were a digestive aid. Hmm. And even most condiments, you know, if you think about it, 
you know we, we think of pickles but that's again that's the end product but uh, most condiments pickles relishes and these were all uh, usually you know with meats there's some kind of acid fruit that like well think it turkey and cranberry sauce you know um, acid fruit meaning like uh, well like a jelly like no, any kind of, I mean, combining cranberry and turkey, for example, is a traditional uh, a traditional accompaniment for turkey dinners, right. cranberries, right? Why is it called a acid fruit? Well, because cranberries are more acid than than, than apples. Okay, all right. There's, there's, oh, a, there's acid, acid fruit, oh, there's sub-acid fruit, and there's sweet fruit. Like a lemon would be an acidic fruit. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, although it much. changes inside the body, but I mean, you know, it's, it's an acidic Okay. fruit okay so um, those would help not break down digestion and traditionally condiments were developed in order to aid the digestion like you took a small amount of chutney or naturally fermented pickles or mm. or the sauerkraut or whatever it's it's a condiment but it really is designed to enhance digestion and help to okay. digest the heavy meats and stuff like that like parsley well, yeah. Parsley's par not fermented, though. No, parsley is actually more, believe it or not, it's actually designed to be a breath freshener versus, a, I mean, it's decorative on the plate, you sure. know, but it's actually a breath freshener because of the chlorophyll. And Oh, I thought know. it was, I thought it helped with the digestion. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, truthfully, um, in my own experience, I think there's lots of different philosophies about ways to eat, but I think digestion is a key issue in this whole subject with the fermented it's the bottom line issue really it's the bottom line of your health because your digestion is 70 to 80 percent of your immunity so it really mm. is a bottom line of our health but okay um, but uh, <clears throat> as far as digesting goes uh, the combinations that you combine or the foods that you combine do make a difference oh really well, yeah, but um, traditionally, um, it's the problem is usually the starches. They are the variable that's that throws a monkey wrench. <laughs> but how so? Well, because there's too much food for the bacteria to digest. You know, foods take different types of enzymes to digest and to be broken down. Uh -huh. You know, you can eat great organic food but if it's not being broken down into the form that your body can use in other words simple sugars uh, carbohydrates amino acids which is what proteins get broken down if you don't if your body doesn't break it down this is where we get problems with allergies because mm. the body and what's called leaky gut the digestive system is undermined or leaky not digest gut. yeah what is that that is where you have actual holes in your in your intestinal tract Oof. where the food gets absorbed into the bloodstream without being digested down Dang. and that's one of our big problems we don't get enough good bacteria in our in our uh, you know in our food now there's more and more obviously look at there's huge yogurt aisles now right yeah but but that's only one or two different types of bacteria yeah right? well uh, yeah no, um, I mean they'll do a variety of different ones, but a lot of them are the uh, acidophilus and yeah, lactobacillus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I can speak the language. I know, <laughs> I know these things. Um, <laughs> so the so the goal. How many different types of bacteria should you have in your? You know what? There's like probably roughly. a hundred and trill a hundred trillion. Back to uh, not individual uh, nuggets. I'm talking about species. Well, we don't types. know. There are there are millions. They've only basically now that the you know the human genome and and mm. the microbiota micro right. my, microbiome project they're analyzing, but they still only know about four percent. They've only identified mm. about four percent. Oh no, kidding. And and the bacteria, yeah. by their nature, are poly pleomorphic they change and they adapt to mm. the environment that they're in right so therefore they keep changing this is one of our big issues now in a, right. you know both what I call inner and outer ecology right you know, in our field and you know the whole resistance to antibiotics resistance to pesticides and all right. that this is all because the bacteria are so 
adaptive mm -hmm. and changeable and they adapt to the environment that they're in right you know people think they're the enemy but the reality they're you right, don't right. really blame the rats for the garbage heat right, right. <laughs> right. the rats are drawn to the garbage heat because that's because, what rats do yeah right. so the bacteria are like that they respond to the environment well, I mean, that's so essentially you can make these bacteria work for you. That's correct. And okay. my, my, one of my key phrases is, you know, the bacteria are not the enemy. We have changed our, you know, we've changed our environment so much. And look at all of the, um, you know, the pollutants, emissions. Um, we've changed our farming. Farming is a big result. Changing the mineral balances, changing so many different variables right and now of course with genetically modified you know I mean there are so many things that we've aberrated our environment that's a good word aberrated it's true. yeah it's that's a big true. word but it's that's it's true we've, almost too we've big, messed yeah. around yeah and it's <laughs> it's, Slow it's down we've again. unleashed <laughs> <laughs> we've unleashed Pandora's box because yeah. we can't control it now yeah well the kind of I mean on the on the positive side we can take a bacteria we can and basically give it anything and it will poop out something else you know i don't know that we can quite give it lead well, and have it poop out gold but there were <laughs> but there are i was reading about this well, there were bacteria, bacteria that actually do I create mean, gold they and their bacteria i find um, so amazing because they live in volcanoes yeah, yeah. at that temperature they live Extremophiles. in the ice Extremophiles. That's, what that's, what that's what they're called. That's what they're called. Look it up. Oh, that's, okay. That's extremophilic bacteria. <laughs> yeah. He's very authoritative. I bet, yes. He's like just <laughs> But that's, you know, in volcanoes, in the Marionic Trench, high high pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they are the little unseen, um, you know, co creators, and they do uh, affect huge, you mm. know, huge. Uh, things on the planet we're yeah. not we don't see them yeah and we see the effects of them but yes you can we can utilize that process of drawing the and having the good bacteria uh you know uh gather yeah and we, we can enslave the microbial oh. race is what it sounds <laughs> well, like you want to do View they're not working we, with us they're working no, for us we're enslaving well, I think we them. should I think we, I think part of our problem is that is yeah. that we have this enslavement mentality and yeah. we're enslaved in our own way by that yeah. however <laughs> uh, just anyway but <laughs> but I think that I think that probably more uh, more of a balance is to say that we are co-creators because the reality is we do co-create our own environment yeah and we create our own reality sure Okay, so we do have an impact impact on them. We have an, and we have influence on, you know, what's going on in nature. But then they also have a responsive mm -hmm. uh, action, and then they can affect us. Uh, they do live what, inside of us. That's true, and we have so many. You know, there's probably two to three pounds of our, you know, mm -hmm. of our, uh, you know, our body is bacteria there are there are more bacteria than there are cells in your gut so like Is for every right? single cell there's about 10 different bacteria for every and cell in the human body yes there's 10 cells of bacteria this is yeah wow. it's like amazing really? that seems so i know but we I, have this we have this we I'm have look, this i'm gonna look that one up okay, i'm gonna, I'm gonna fact the, check that one that, <laughs> yeah in our next interview you can report yeah. back uh star that one there, there's a lot more influence. And I think that's a good example of how we tend to think that we're, you know, as species, we humans tend to have, th you know, thought we were really superior to the rest of life. Yeah. However, you know, in many respects, if you look at the, if you look at the uh, ability, the responsibility that the bacteria have, which of course, responsibility is just the ability to respond anyway. Mm. Sure. But they have, in some ways, they have more responsibility than we do. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they're, they, they can't take respond. a day off. They, gotta, they, <laughs> no, they have to keep working. That's right. And yeah. they have to keep cooperating, too. Yeah, we don't. Well, I always say, hey, you know, support bacteria because they're the only culture some people have. <laughs> that's, that's an old trite phrase. <laughs> However, it's true, though, but I say one of, actually one of the things that we have to learn from them, and we do have a lot to learn from them, mm -hmm. is that they have at least learned how to 
live in community and yeah. we're still working on that one that's true you know um well so let's let's take this so we talked about bacteria so what are some practical applications that i mean i'm assuming you have recipes and stuff in the book but how can we take that and apply it to various different types of food what okay, what what, yeah. what do we because basically what we're doing is we're adding this and we're the food coming out is partially digested correct I mean, oh actually yeah the cultured or fermented food is pre-digested So it's like food, ABC food, already is, been chewed by bacteria. Yeah, yes, this right. are basically, yeah. yeah. Um, which is why it's more digestible. And why, for example, uh, some people don't handle milk very well. And mm. again, allergies developed when your body is not, you know, not digesting properly. You get this leaky gut problem. Mm -hmm. as, yeah, I know. Really mm -hmm. pleasant sounding. Yeah. However, that's what <clears throat> that's what happens. The hmm. your digest. I, I think digestion is one of the bottom lines of most chronic uh, disease or chronic problems. Like mm -hmm. even overweight. It's uh, overweight or cardiovascular problems or um, thyroid. Um, <clears throat> These are all really when you get down to it, when your digestion is not working properly, you're not breaking down the waste products and you're not absorbing the nutrients, then you get a backup. Mm -hmm. Like I could make some comment about <laughs> how we're it's a family full of show. <laughs> it's okay. a family show. But uh, but uh, when you're not breaking when that cycle of breakdown and build up is not happening properly, then you get uh, you've got toxic environment, mm -hmm. and we've got that going on internally and externally with our, you know, even in, in our fields with, you know, whatever. But uh, <clears throat> you can, if, you, if your digestive system is healthier, which the good bacteria from these cultured foods help to break down the food, mm -hmm. and then the bacteria that are... Um, the friendly probiotic bacteria that are that um, are drawn and proliferate will um, actually help your digestive system. So re-inflammation is one of the bottom lines, and the probiotic foods, cultured foods, will mm -hmm. reduce inflammation. Inflammation is probably if you uh, if you talk to both alternative medicine and and uh, you know uh, your allopathic your regular doctors right. everybody agrees that inflammation is the bottom line of so many of our particularly chronic lifestyle diseases right yeah which are our big problem right in this including obesity and overweight mm -hmm. a big problem no I agree the problem is that I've looked at some of these <laughs> fermented foods and they look disgusting well I remember you had something here and it was like a it was like a jar of the black kombucha. water. That's it. And it was like black tea, of, right? Is the fermented actually, black yeah, tea? It had like kombucha. big sponges or something. Big kombucha, kombucha is K O M B U C H A. Okay. It's actually uh, uh, it's actually produced by a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Uh, okay. What's called a scoby. Um, and you, but it's amazing because. You, you take black tea, who mm -hmm. could think that black tea and sugar could mm -hmm. make a healthy beverage, a healthy for your digestion? There are a lot of traditional foods that are like this, including kvass, which is uh, from Europe, um, Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's using those natural bacteria and stuff, but the so kombucha yeah. mushroom is actually, it's, a, it's bacteria and yeast. And every time you put a mushroom in there, they call it a mushroom. It's yeah, because it looks like a, it looks like a big like um, portobello a portobello mushroom. Yeah, it's a of. flat. It's white, um, and that mushroom will actually take the sugar from the beverage and use that as the food for the bacteria, and then um, it will again create an acidic environment. The good bacteria, probiotic bacteria proliferate and it becomes a healthy beverage. Now they're selling it for like four to five bucks for a you know twelve ounce bottle. Where you no could one... you could make you could make that so cheaply yeah. yourself. But that's no... one of my premises and you know one of the half of this book, Truly Cultured, is is how to do this. Yeah. 
But I mean, I, I don't think people know that it's if people saw what I saw, they wouldn't be drinking. <laughs> it looks tea. pretty funky, doesn't it? It looks pretty gross. But every time, you know what? It's funny because every time you <laughs> produce crazy. another, we do them in gallon, a gallon glass jars, right? Uh, yeah. And you put, you boil the tea, and you put the sugar in there, and you put one of these scoby mushrooms in there. Let it sit for. It could be uh, ten to. 21 days or more and it will produce this fizzy soft and it'll produce more mushrooms so mm, like, yeah so they're like two in there yeah it's yeah pretty crazy. every time you every time you brew some more kombucha then you grow some more of those mushrooms so this is another reason why i say you have to have community when you're going to do these foods because when you're producing these cultured uh mushrooms you got all these mushrooms you've got to do right, something, something with, with them. them and you have to get one from somebody in order to it's like friendship bread yeah exactly and friendship bread is a fermented isn't yeah. it? i imagine it's well, coming from it, a million different people right yeah not, not, not like limburger cheese that right. we've we found out we found out we found oh, out it's actually right. this I, did i told you that story about how the limburger, you didn't tell them Lim, that story let's okay, tell them the this. limburger cheese factory in germany that burnt down. It was like an eight, you know, several hundred year old um, family operation. Been around for a while. I mean, it's yeah. very popular. Yeah, and they in lost their culture, so they had to take some of the um, the recipes. They didn't know how to make it. No, anymore. they they had to take some of their cheese and yeah. have it analyzed, reverse engineered, basically, right? To, yeah. So they could recreate the culture. Yeah. So guess what was in there was Whoa. feet. Bacteria. Ugh. Oh, they're scraping the they're scraping the bottom of their well, feet. Well, how it do they make wine traditionally? Oh, they step right? on the yeah. Okay. Okay. They they've crushed the grapes and stuff. So and there are other fermented. There are many other fermented foods like that that are pretty funky that you yeah. probably. But that's the stigma they, they have. They actually use saliva in some cultures. They actually <laughs> take saliva and put the saliva as a starter into a batch of beer and it will yeah i know Ugh. it doesn't sound too good to us Gross. however um this is people have there's li different kinds of starters and in a lot of cases you have natural yeasts uh and bacteria in the air oh. so sourdough like for example you can make your own sourdough starter that's just potato or flour mm -hmm. and you let it sit out and the natural yeast or wild yeast is that Wild, just wild yeast. Yeah, that's what it's called. Wild fermentation. What is? I don't it know. It just comes is. from the air. Huh. We're going so, all over the place. I want to get back to kombucha. I know, but, I know. But let's talk about Same wild thing. yeast. How does that? It comes actually. It's the bacteria and the yeast are in the air, and they proliferate under warm, moist conditions. Right when yeah. you got moist flour and water and so like not food going, for the bacteria. So like not going to the store, you don't have to buy a packet of yeast. This has no, it, no. It, this, this is, is wild enough. yeast. You know, yeah. you can. Uh, but with kombucha, for example, there's a specific culture that you you need to get from somebody or from. I have sources of where you can black market <laughs> I have sources <laughs> oh, uh, you want kombucha you I'll get you kombucha <laughs> an hour wow okay it's not <laughs> that difficult it isn't that clandestine either so um, <laughs> but the stuff it's actually really good I had some because I'm a real man I, I tested it this is good stuff It's it actually is it's amazing it's sort of like oh my gosh it's a healthy beverage and probably for in the Midwest we're in the Midwest you know I mean, it's probably healthier to, to drink that than it is to drink orange juice, which is not, oranges are mm. not even from this area. Right. I think, uh, you know, traditionally our healthiest, our healthiest foods are the ones that we sort of grow in the area that we're, you know, that we're in. And mm. macrobiotics, which is a, you know, philosophy, says eat, eat uh, 50 to 100, within a 50 to 100 mile radius. And, you know, part or foods from within a 50 to 100 mile radius is the healthiest mm -hmm. um and part of it is the bacteria because the bacteria for a particular area are acclimated and we're acclimated to those areas hmm. uh thus if you go overseas or you go to another you know you go to another environment uh you know you could have some digestive problems because they have hmm. completely different sets of bacteria we're not used to like going down to Mexico and drinking the water. Yeah, and um, I, when I went to South America, I actually did this experiment, and I had uh, uh, 
we were, I was down there for a month at Christmas time, interesting, mm -hmm. took probiotics with me um, on my trip and started taking them. And then one time, one, one um, like hostel that we stayed in, we had to leave quickly and I left my probiotics that was halfway through the journey. I left my probiotics in the refrigerator of the youth hostel and I, so I didn't have probiotics the rest of half of the uh, journey. Yeah. And man, I could tell a difference. Really? Yeah. Why did you have to leave so quickly? Was well, it, no. Was like the kombucha raid was coming? No, we... <laughs> <laughs> we know you have the kombucha. <laughs> uh, a lot of, there's a lot of ferment, fermented foods and cultured foods in, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, in uh, South America, and it, they're all there are eighty huh. varieties, oh, yeah. different varieties, and a lot of them are the same thing called different. Mm -hmm. You know, right? Labne or yogurt—they're basically the same foods, but they have different traditions or cultures mm -hmm. or names. You okay. know, this is like world worldwide over, right. where people have kept healthy through these. So, anyway, but you can uh, you can use the conditions and your knowledge and ingredients to create the good environment for attracting these probiotic bacteria and or you can take probiotic supplements uh, now there are lots of those too however it really it's better to actually it's better to get it from your from your food if you can yeah, well, um, that, yeah and instead of from it. the area that you're in uh, now they're starting to genetically engineer probiotics. Did you know that? I didn't know that. What I, did, I now, know. What, how are they genetically engineering? Well, um, anytime you find uh, a manufacturer or producer of cultures, um, that if you find that they've called it like, oh, bacteria, regular, yeah, something, you know, I mean, yeah. like a, a man made type of name as right. opposed to an old species, right? Sure. <laughs> like, uh, what was that one you said? Uh, I oh. said lactobacillus. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and extreme <laughs> You're looking for me for the expertise? <laughs> You Should we talking, switch microphones? You were, you <laughs> I were I talking to... about the extremist bacteria. Oh, the extremophiles. Extremophiles, yeah. 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 Now, anyway, when you mm. find uh, that there is a cute name or a, a patented, patented name. name. See, this is the name of the game is the, yeah. the food companies want to patent their own strains of bacteria. Right. So then, then it becomes a proprietary thing and all of that. But in order to do that, they are genetically modifying. I did not know uh, that. Yeah. So what does prebiotic mean? Ah, okay. There are, there's, there's prebiotics oh, yeah. and probiotics. Mm -hmm. um, and antibiotics. And antibiotics, correct. Pre and probiotics do facilitate and um, promote good digestion and good healthy um, intestinal processes. Um, prebiotics are the food in effect or the good supplements or the good uh, raw materials that will feed the probiotics. Okay. So for example, um, <clears throat> inulin, which is, okay, Jerusalem artichokes, for example, are a food that, it's a root and they're all all over the country, um, all over. or no, all over the eastern part of the, the, the um, U.S., for example, it grows as a wild root. They're high in what's called inulin, mm -hmm. or a certain type of starch, which helps to feed those good bacteria. Interestingly, that we used to have a lot of inulin farmers, they've found now in ancient diggings, they've found old furnaces where these farmers would raise the inulin roots. Uh, <clears throat> they're like, you know, potato tuber roots, okay. but they help to promote the good bacteria, the growth of the good bacteria. Okay. So we tend to think, oh, like, you know, we, we roasted our meats and had raw vegetables, but actually it was the, probably the other way around. We probably ate more raw meat and, and uh, roasted the vegetables. Whoa. So they discovered a lot of uh, remains of these old ovens all over, you know, the Middle East and uh, where, so they would roast these tubers and then use them in their food uh, to again promote 
the growth of those good probiotics. Got it. So they're they're like the fertilizer. Yeah, or, or, or well, the nutri good nutrition for them. Okay, and so, but they don't actually do anything like the probiotics do. They're not. It's not well, a living organism. Well, actually, what they then. do, they tend to create a better environment for the probiotics. Okay. So they would clean up, for example, FOS, fructo oligosaccharides are one of the common uh, hmm. chemicals from uh, Jerusalem artichokes. They will actually kind of clean up the environment and um, get rid of some of the, you know, negative or the uh, pathogenic um, bacteria. That really is that really is the function of those probiotics. It's a, literally a mechanical thing. Hmm. When you've got good probiotic di uh, bacteria in your system, it crowns out the other. Yeah. When you don't have those good bacteria, the other pathogenic ones and the other yeast and, hmm. and candida and those kind of things will fall in. So that's why it's a proactive, good choice to keep that good Keep your good, friendly bacteria close at hand. Right. That's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's talk. Um, so two fermented foods I want to talk about that you mentioned, that you don't think of them as being fermented. You mentioned salami and you mentioned chocolate. Right. So how are those fermented? I mean, I know like salami and cured meats are salted. That's right. Well, they brine, right? When you make ham or sausage or... You know, uh, not your fresh sausage so much, but your aged sausages and cheeses too. But uh, usually with meats, they will brine them. Okay. Which is In other like words, putting them into a salt solution. Mm -hmm. And then the amount of salt will help to, you know, change the pH, but also right. uh, cure the meat. And But it's still, they will still go through a curing process. So curing is another term that's used for... Uh, talking about the you know hams and bacon's and sausages and things like that. How is that fermenting? Connect it, the dots it, for me. They go through the same process. So bacteria is added. No, the bacteria are they are attracted. They're, they are, oh, in, the there. They're wild, in there. Yeah. The wild bacteria. Yeah. The untamed they're already in bacteria. There. And so then, so then the the brine solution facilitates that process. Yes, that's right. Right, okay. and cures it, lowers the pH. So, you know, uh, in other words, makes it more acidic makes mm. the environment more acidic. So, you know, bacteria live, we've got, you know, a whole spectrum and they live at different uh, acid base um, pH. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so in a, in a lot of cases you have one becomes food for the next. It depends on your pH and your, the environment. Again, back to that thing about the terrain, you know, right. the biological terrain. That is a key bottom line uh, reality of our health is hmm. pH you know there are people that say oh keep your pH you know alkaline but it isn't just that it's not that simple but pH is an indicator and of of you know how remember our blood has to be in a very very narrow range mm -hmm. of pH like right. 7 point seven. Three, 7 point three to 7 point you know yeah. four or five in there and the body will do whatever it can to keep that pH stable around neutral mm -hmm. and so what happens is it actually will pull minerals out of your bones oh really like calcium and stuff to try to neutralize the acid we're, we're we have so much acidic you know um, yeah foods and stuff processed yeah. foods create a lot of acidity yeah and it's sort of confusing in some ways because bacteria will they need and produce the acidic environment and that helps to preserve the the food so anyway the the meats and the hands and salamis and they are actually fermented they've gone through a brining process but in that process they ferment them and if you if you think about it like taste a summer sausage or whatever it has a tangy it has a tangy sour taste to it mm -hmm. pastrami I, mean, I love pastrami in this sure case. Um, and of course, it's got salt and sugar, which can be confusing to our brains. Sure, ha yeah. However, but if you analyze the whole flavors, there's an acidic, hmm. a sour kind of bite to it, and that's uh, evidence of the bacteria having worked hmm. and preserved. Because you can then have, you can have sausages, certain uh, sausages that are on the shelf that don't require refrigeration, 
And that's how we've utilized that process of fermentation as to preserve food over a long period of time when we didn't have refrigeration. Right. Right? Yeah. Now what about um what about chocolate? Ah, our so favorite. Yeah. People don't it? realize that even chocolate and coffee as well are really? fermented cultured foods. Uh, because How coffee because I've seen them grind the beans. Yeah, I know, but and then they put water but they in go it. through before the beans are get to the point of where they're ground. Yeah. They actually have to allow them to age or ferment in the sun. Uh you know, I mean, this dry is out. way, way before you you get to the point of their roasting and stuff like that. They actually w go through a, 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 a culturing, a fermenting process. So what does that look like? I mean, they so there's well, it, like the wild, untamed bacteria again, and yeah. they sit them out and put like water and sugar with them. Yeah. Or like well, food? no, they don't. No, they don't. This is just the beans themselves, and then they roast them, both coffee and chocolate. Then they roast them hmm. and they grind them and use make them into whatever our you know our favorite chocolate. Cacao is the actual bean. Right. Chocolate is when we're adding, you know. Milk and sugar, basically. <laughs> well, you might add milk and sugar. Yeah, I like 88%. Good oh, Lord. I like dark chocolate. That's, yeah, that's, and that's, we now that's know a there's an, it's an antioxidant. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a little stiff for me. That's a stiff Okay, stiff well, that's fine, you know. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> 88%. Uh, <laughs> so now how do you, how do you know when... I kind of want to go into when you said they put the the tape over it so it doesn't pop. How do you know oh. when these are done? Like what is you know like oh. the kombucha? Ten to twenty one days is a long time. Well, you can tell by tasting it first of all. Sure. You know, uh, we did. That's a cop out, though, don't you think? No, because yeah. I mean, look. It's Shouldn't not, you know a chef it's knows? It's not have to rocket cut. science. Okay, well. the in this book I explain to people about the whole foundation of this principles and everything. But again, it's not rocket science. And it is, you learn by doing, and it isn't just, it's really more of an art than it is a science, even though there's science involved. But you get to know, uh, and again, it's not just, oh, well, certain beers, the king of beers, for example, is mm -hmm. always, always, always the same, no matter where you mm -hmm. drink it, right? right. Because they co completely control or try to completely control the process mm -hmm. by of producing that beer. Sure. However, most uh, look at all the different micro brews of beers, right, and right. look at all of the different artisanal foods that you find in different parts of the country. They're all different because yeah. of the bacteria, and how long something uh, takes will depend on, for one thing, temperature and the ambient environment. Mm -hmm. Temperature is a big variable. Like the warmer it is, the faster the fermentation process goes. But the colder it is, the slower it goes. So okay. in the winter it's gonna take longer for your whatever, mm -hmm. you know, your yogurt or your kombucha or whatever. But in the summer it could I mean, you know, I've made yogurt in a few hours. A few Some, hours? Yeah, I put it uh now I'll sometimes I'll put it actually on top of the refrigerator because you have enough warmth there uh, to uh, sort of incubate it. You can mm -hmm. put it in, you can put it in a cooler with a, you know, maybe a hot water bottle or a, an electric heater. You could put it uh, on an electric, electric heating pad, mm -hmm. or you can just put it in an oven or just put it where it's warm. But okay. the faster, the warmer, your environment, the faster the fermentation will go. Okay. So it will depend on what you're doing and the time of year and also where you are. Right. You know, and the ambient b bacteria that are native to that area. Right. Now you, so you, you've taken this, you've written this book and, but your focus now is more on a broad spectrum, you were telling me. Well, it's interesting that in the process of, of writing this and researching it and so forth, I, well, I wrote this book uh, a cycle ago and it already it's become an evergreen book in other mm -hmm. words it's it's a classic book because it goes from ISA 0 to 60 and showing people you don't have to know anything about it to be able to produce these good cultured foods yourself mm -hmm. and I show that how did we get in this situation and how can we utilize how is how have bacteria helped 
the development of our whole culture because actually where do you think the word culture come from but mm. but cults i assume <laughs> strange strange people well, in the but cornfields the, but the that's the root word <laughs> right. culture okay to come the word our culture uh the culture that we live in is a product product of the microorganisms or culture of microorganisms okay this is how uh, you know inherently and you know integral we are with them in our life it's they're they're we are bacteria and they are us and mm. um and mm. well that's heady it is that's big. <laughs> <laughs> we are the aliens yeah. <laughs> well so, hmm. so they're so what do you mean by that they we are them and well i'm them. saying that they're we we are in a co-creative relationship with the bacteria like as our evidence like a symbiotic relationship yeah, really. exactly yeah. you know and um so uh, you can affect your balance of whether you have good probiotic whether you have the good friendly bacteria in your gut by you know excess of whatever sugar mm -hmm. can really you know mm -hmm. aberrate your uh, bacteria love sugar yeah oh know? that's true so um, the, and, and so this relates to the broader picture. The, bro the broader picture from the standpoint that um, the microorganisms are involved in literally every area of our lives yeah. and that uh, because they're unseen, mm -hmm. you know, we have sort of tended to think they're all only and have, it, have not realized how integrally involved they are in our very existence. And now we're finding out, you know, <clears throat> For example, uh, we know the genetically modified organisms that are being uh, that are being utilized in uh, w with some of the crop glyphosate mm -hmm. is um, <clears throat> is a chemical that's being used, and it is then affecting the ambient bacteria. Mm -hmm. uh, it that they ch they changed they're changed in the process and they use they use bacteria to um, you know to to drive that whole the whole reaction right anyway uh, and that's just one example we we've got uh, well the subtitle of the truly cultured book is rejuvenating taste health and community with mm -hmm. naturally fermented foods and so the bacteria are involved in as i said the taste of our food mm -hmm. and all of the characteristic artisanal foods that we love are characteristic those flavors are dependent on the microorganisms and the particular area that we're in okay okay so kind of like then, oh no it's kind of like studying the microorganism almost like a sociology experiment well absolutely and, and really if you look at it from many different angles you know um, we see we see the the bacteria are involved in a lot more than we actually even uh, have given them credit for uh, health of course we're talking about digestion and how mm. how much of an impact the good bacteria or not have on our digestive systems mm -hmm. uh, the bottom real bottom line really of our health mm -hmm. but then also community and um, uh, you know I was saying when you're making kombucha you need to actually work with other people this is right. how other people actually originally people would uh, get together and have um, parties where they would um, produce these foods together and have it be a social occasion and you know we had quilting bees and sure, you know yeah. all that kind of stuff that has sort of gone by the by right I mean right now we're all individually exercising our thumbs right. by texting <laughs> and sure. um, you know couples texting each other at a restaurant I mean this is like uh, it's I, insane. I, I'm texting right I, now and I have no idea no, why <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird yeah we've kind of separated ourselves from nature well, we that's have. what I would say and that's you know look at the farmers in their uh, their isolated big tractors on mm -hmm. you know they've got their earphones on and stuff I mean we've gotten disconnected and I think that's one of the messages that I see that as we understand that we're not just the you know the most superior creature on you know mm. on the planet you know what all 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 species um, 
take care of their own and control their numbers and you know have to feed their population otherwise yeah. they don't exist right That's they become this dis, dis, dysfunctional and dis extinct yeah and we're losing a lot of you know we're losing a lot of species now um, the environment and those bacteria are inherently involved in the health of our both inner and outer ecology um, but there are other realms too I mean it even gets into spiritual realm and things like that which we won't talk about here but mm. you know actually um, I have studied this from so many different angles um, I believe that fermentation is really an archetype and the microorganisms are involved in many many different levels um, and I I think we're we're gonna find out more and more how interdependent we are hmm. you know yeah I bet, I bet you're right well look at the yeah. bees too you know that's yeah. another example of how the bees now the colony collapse d disorder mm -hmm. those bees are being attacked by mites well there's a variety of it's never just one thing anyway right, yeah. okay we know that the radiation from cell phones and that we know that the high fructose corn syrup that you know that they're being fed now the bees is not doing them right. a lot of good and then so the the bacteria in their systems and in their environment is being changed so then then you've got mites that are attacking them right it's like so everything's so interdependent and um, I see this examples again and again with respect to the microorganisms so yeah well, it's very true. And I mean, you know, in the in the movie War of the Worlds, you know, aliens came down to the Earth and they didn't think about the microorganisms, and ultimately, that's what kills them all. Yeah, right. I mean, because they don't think about the invisible invaders. I mean, it's kind of like there's one theory about how the dinosaurs vanished from, you know, mosquitoes biting them and injecting them with, you know, some kind of foreign. Foreign something. Yeah. I I haven't heard or that. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Well, I that was, was one. You know, it was one theory that was talked about because, hmm. you know, dinosaurs couldn't get rid of mosquitoes. They might right. be big creatures. But yeah. So that's a good example of how, you know, even um, we're all interconnected and, um, you know, you're never too big to, <laughs> to, to, to take to, it to down. Take it down right? Yeah, no, it's very right? true. We uh, better get. Well, I think, you know, you know that bacteria are involved with the soil and the word hummus, humus, yeah. not hummus. Humus. Not the bean spread, but the right. humus in the soil. One of our problems is our soil is dead because it doesn't have living matter. The right. microorganisms, that would be both bacteria and fungus, right? Or the worms as well. Well, yeah, but they're also... They're macro. They're part of that. They're outside the scope of your... <laughs> <laughs> you're concerned about the micro. No, they're... No, they're... You're not a champion for the, the worms. No, we're, like, we're, we're champion for the micro and the macro and uh, the balance of those. And yeah. look at the mirrors that are going on. There yeah. are mirrors at, at all levels. Yeah, that's very true. Big and small, global and local, micro and macro. You, you summed it up perfectly. <laughs> Perfect timing. Uh, so let's give out your website. Okay. Um, so you... Uh, is it trulycultured.com? Well, um, I have been, uh, that has been my website. Now I'm um, expanding my window and talking about enlightening nourishment and mm. more uh, the larger picture, which includes, of course, the truly cultured focus. Mm -hmm. um, my website now that I am just getting going is Holistic Health Expert. And that's holistic with a W. Holistic. Like the whole thing, because I'm about the whole Got big it. picture. W-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. Holistichealthexpert.com. Dot, dot com. And you'll find uh, free downloads there. You hmm. will find um, actually information about me. You can get the book there. And, you know, Daniel, I told you that I would actually... Uh, give your listeners a special yeah. gift here. What are you going to give them a special gift? A well, free download of your book? <laughs> not the whole book, but uh, you can actually get a copy, an e-copy e of my chapter, which is called 
the rainbow of food and dietary trends. And that, you can actually get a a free copy of that. It's a chapter out of the Truly Cultured book. Mm -hmm. And you can, they can get that if they go to the holistichealthexpert.com website. Well, that was very nice of you. How good Well, yeah. Well, and that is also, you'll see uh, really that larger picture Mm -hmm. that I'm talking about. It's not a one sound bite issue, unfortunately. Right. You know, yeah. it, it really is dynamic. But yeah. it's so exciting because we're finding out all these things, and even the ancient science, the ancient wisdom, uh-huh. is now veri- verifying and being verified by the quantum, subquantum. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. You know, science that is now being discovered. It's really exciting. It is exciting. Um, well, thank you very much for being here. I, I, well, I send welcome. everyone to holistichealthexpert.com. And uh, Nancy, thank you for being with us. Well, and I appreciate <laughs> being with you, and you have a, a good sense of humor. Thank and, you. you. know, you're not too serious. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Thank Thanks you. a lot, Kate. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Good night. <laughs>